Hey devs, you're tuning into the debug log number 79. Another great interview. I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy this one. And I say that every time because I always mean it. But anyway, this is a great interview about being a technical director. We bring in another Sprocketeer. His name is Benjamin Jordan, and he is the technical director, studio technical director at Sprockets. He brings a lot of years of experience in engineering, does some audio, he's done a lot of physics, math, etc., etc., etc. So he has a lot of good information and a lot of experience under his belt to talk about this subject and how he's experienced being a technical director for a up-and-coming mobile studio. So if you're interested in learning about how to become a technical director from someone who's done it and done it really quickly, uh, this is the episode for you. So without further ado, this is the Debug Log, episode 79. But say something, Ben. Let's just see if your audio is coming through. Uh, check. One, two. Now sing a song. Uh, I'm just kidding. My name is Ben, and I'm here to say. It was the hot 16. Oh, beatbox. Come on, get the beatbox. It's more natural that way. So here we are, another amazing episode of the Debug Log, and today we have a very, very special guest. Actually, wait, let me first introduce, got my co-hosts here, we got Ryan Kilgore, we got uh, Andrew Curry, Uh, and today we're talking to a very special man. He's uh, near and dear to my heart. Uh, He was uh, first... Our heart, yeah, me and Ryan. But anyway, (laughs) uh, he works with us at Sprockets, and he's the technical director at Sprockets, uh, Interesting guy. You guys will get to know him in just a second. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Benjamin Jordan, Technical Director. Woo! Hi. (laughs) Glad to be here. I've always wanted to be on Comedy Bang Bang. (laughs) That's what this is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Keep talking. Your life is going to change tomorrow. (laughs) That's too funny. Anyway, uh, just to get things started, Ben... um, Again, I say this on all of my interviews, but I, I go on everyone's LinkedIn and, and check them out and see where, they, where they've where they been. And I know your story pretty much, but could you just introduce yourself uh, to our audience and tell us how you got into games, how you got to where you are, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I guess I'm not sure where to begin, but I uh, a long time ago uh, in uh, when I, I don't know, when I was a kid, I, I always programmed but it was really bad uh and my brother was always better than me so uh i didn't really get into uh programming and games until high school uh when i when i uh learned about flash which flash was amazing and it's still awesome uh well maybe not so awesome but it doesn't (laughs) exist anymore actually (laughs) yeah it doesn't exist (laughs) um but yeah i i uh i started getting into uh programming then um and uh, about the same time, I started getting really into into just math. Like, uh, I, d- I didn't do great in school, but I, I read a lot of math stuff. And uh, in my free time, uh, worked on, like, physics and, uh, like, physics engines and stuff like that. So um, in high school, I wrote a physics engine that um, I ended up uh, selling to a, a game studio because who else needs physics engines? <laughs> And, uh, and then that's kind of how I got my start in the games industry and, uh, just doing physics and math stuff like, uh, I don't know, audio effects and, uh, audio modeling and, and cool stuff like that. Um, and then I went to, to college, uh, doing math and then out of college, uh, just got hired to another game studio. Um, so I liked, uh, you know, that I already had, you know, four years experience doing games and game related things. Um, uh, so yeah. And I, I, I started working on real games then, uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, worked on MMOs mostly. And, uh, I don't know, went through a a few different companies, kind of working my way up, um, working in a lot of different areas, honestly, in a lot of different platforms. And, uh, Eventually, found myself at Sprockets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's um, interesting. It's a it's a crazy story. I didn't know you were um, 
a big math whiz, I guess, and especially a physics engineer at high school. Well, I was, I'm not a math whiz. I just like it. (laughs) (laughs) No, no true story. In, in high school, math was like the hardest. It was my worst subject. I mean, I tried the hardest and I did the worst (laughs) in math. So like, I remember algebra two, I got a D in algebra two and it's because it was really hard. It was freaking hard. But anyway, I, I ended up going to college for math and, and, I'd like to think I conquered it, but where uh, where did that transition actually take place? So how do you go from really struggling in math to going? I want to <laughs> major in math. What does that? Right. Where did that happen? Uh, I I think it happened because I because <laughs> I started reading math books in the library oh. at, at school. Mm-hmm. So there's one particular book you're gonna make fun of me. So you're one but, of those kids. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, Obita the bully. It comes out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah right. uh, Pushing down the stairs. There, All right, sorry. Yeah, there was one particular there's one particular book called uh Number, the Language of Science, I think. Uh which I've since reread and is still as amazing as I thought it was. And you should all read it. But it it, it kind of made me fall in love with numbers and, and kind of it I, I think it just taught numbers in a different way than I was used to hearing and and just got me really interested. And so I started reading just through all the math books in the in the school library. And one of them was a uh, uh, some calc book, and the first chapter was like, "Hey, uh, you know, position and velocity and acceleration are all related through these equations," and it blew my mind. And so I had to, <laughs> I had to like uh, program this. I don't know. Well, that's that's hmm. really weird because I had the exact. I, I laugh because I had the exact same experience when I got to calculus. I'm like. This is what math was for. I was like, this is why we've been doing it. It literally did blow my mind when I did it. Now it's kind of faded since then. Yeah, yeah. But, but what, that's such a weird case for like, that's probably good for people to hear that are like out there struggling with math that don't think they can actually do that. You actually just doubled down on something you thought you were horrible at. Yeah, man. I mean, the, that's kind of, it's kind of the story of my career, I think, is like, I, I, my method is the brute force method of just like, just like face planning into things repeatedly <laughs> and t- until I, and, and I had a strategy in college where, uh, you know, the math degree, it was like, the homework was like, here are two, two questions and you have like a month to write a proof, uh, for each of them. And so you would spend like every night just like working on these things and getting nowhere. And then I would take a shower and I got, I did a lot of thinking in the shower or, or I'd like take a nap and like wake up with an epiphany and be like, I've got it. <laughs> and, uh, that's Run out seriously of the quad like how naked, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's how I still like solve hard problems. It's just like, give it time and, and think about it in the background and go after it multiple times. And eventually, um, I, I think if I learned anything from, uh, math, it's that you, don't need to be scared of any problems. You just have to spend more time on some than on others. Right. Well said. So quick question. Uh, you kind of touched on this, but just to clarify, like what exactly made you want to choose like the engineering route as opposed to just sticking with, you know, purely math and, you know, going that math route? Was it just flash or the, the intricacies of flash? Or uh, No, it wasn't movement? flash. <laughs> you mentioned engineering and flash in the same sentence exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. no i mean flash is great whatever but um no I, I that's a good question i honestly am not sure because my math in school was not applied math it was like by by my senior year we were like let's do calculus on a surface in infinite dimensional non-euclidean space like stuff that like makes no sense and you can't visualize and you can't write down. Right. It has no application to anything ever. Yeah. Um and so I don't really know how I did that but also just went for like an applied I mean programming is is more like a trade, you know, it's more like being an electrician or a, or a you know, a woodworker or something. You're um you're actually working a craft and you're really hands-on um so uh, I I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So where did yeah, it's so like where one did, of those? Oh, sorry. So where did games fit in it with you? Because you, you've had a lot of like you know interest in math and engineering and science. Like, did, were games like in well, the back of your mind this whole time? Or 
Yeah, probably. I mean, I played a lot of games, but um, mm -hmm. also there's not a lot of there's not a lot of other application for some of these things. Like, sure, you could go to a select few. Probably not me. You could go to NASA and like launch a satellite or something, and spend three years on a set of ten equations or whatever. That sounds miserable, right? Um, I like I like working with the <clears throat> with math that I can iterate on quickly and um, I don't know. Um, math with computers is a lot different than um, than proof writing, right? Because like mm -hmm. a, a computer can't even accurately represent a number. <laughs> right. And uh, and so they're they're two almost totally different, unrelated things. Um, I shouldn't say that. You're going to get a lot of complaints from me saying that. Probably, but... <laughs> no, well, I mean, you got a point. One's like uh, one's like the pure math, and the okay, computers are simulation all the time for games, for math, for whatever. They, they've yeah. only got so much discrete shit they can do. So, well, in in college, I ended up writing another physics engine, and this one was uh, it was perfect. It was uh, like provably. Would never be no 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 no. Provably awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, for real. Shut up. No, for real. This is... It it was provably stable under any uh, oh, conditions. Cool. Um, so it it would switch how it represented things under the hood just automatically, and it would it would like change the step size, so you would never uh, you never hit uh, uh, all these different uh, numerical integration techniques have like different instability uh, regions where. Um, things like step size or or forces that are acting on something can cause a physics system to go unstable. So in games, you'll see this where like a box flies off to infinity or something, or like Bethesda uh, games. Yeah. Okay. So this physics yeah. engine, it 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 provably could not do that, but it was like it ran at like 15 frames per second and uh, could barely do constraints. Like it was a terrible physics engine, and so I I think the the moral of the story was like in games, you're not even doing real, real math or real physics. You're just, faking you're just it. making stuff yeah. look cool, and you're yeah. just faking stuff because the real stuff is just boring. If you have a real physics simulation in a game, it it really is just boring. Right. Cool. That makes sense. So uh, speaking of like the games part of your career, I guess when you transitioned really into games and and your career. Uh, You've eventually made it to the height of, you know, technical director. Can you, and I, and I ask this to a lot of our interviewees, interviewees as well, is can you like define in your own words what technical, being a technical director is and what technical direction is? Uh, well, first of all, it's studio technical director. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. I'm Sorry. just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, TD is kind of a loaded title, like it means a lot of different things Wait, depending on where you are sorry just to interrupt so that makes you the yeah. std right yeah <laughs> <laughs> you clever boy oh my goodness right. go continue <laughs> oh my goodness uh anyway uh yeah it, it can mean a lot of different things so um at sprockets man i'm gonna i'm gonna mess that up um, it. <laughs> yeah, don't, worry. don't worry man you're fine I just say sprockets <laughs> Um, at Sprockets, uh, so I um, I oversee um, the engineering of two different games and a core technology group. Um, so I've it's a lot of mixed responsibilities, but um, at the end of the day, you know, I'm responsible for um, really all levels of of technology that you, that we use. So um, you know, everything from uh, how do we decide what hardware to ship on? To uh, what software do we use to develop things? To how are how are we actually going about building things? What's the process? What's the architecture? What's the um, I, I don't know all these different things. Um, there's there's also hiring. You know how do you actually build those the structure out? Um, there's really a lot a lot of things to do with building out the structure um, of an engineering department. Um, so yeah, I, th I think um being a td is a lot of uh i i kind of want to say bigger picture stuff um where you you continually have to zoom out and kind of look down the timeline and and figure out what kind of things you'll need in terms of 
technology, personnel, um, uh, talent and leadership. Um, so there's there's a lot of zooming out, uh, but also zooming in uh, and going deeper and helping people solve uh, maybe more immediate, smaller problems. Right. Um, so there's a lot of uh, zooming in and out, I guess I would say. How did you how did you deal with that transition from going from, like you said, the craftsman of that to being a person that probably doesn't code as much every day? And it's more like looking yeah. at that stuff and architecting how we should do how people should do things and not necessarily digging in and just kind of zoning out for eight hours. Yeah. Um I mean that's that's the that's the question. Yeah, that is the question. Uh, I, I mean, because because it's like um, when you move from like a an individual contributor to a lead of a project, uh, you know, you have to transition from from uh, writing code to teaching people to write code, and then when you move from lead to like TD, you have to transition from uh, you know leading people to teaching other people to lead people, um, which is. I would say not something that I've figured out yet. Um, I am working on it. <laughs> oh, I'd say because that's part uh, but, of the programmer's DNA is that we always – that you like – you've already made two physics engines. But there's the things like, I can do this myself. I'll make this from scratch. And you're like, no, stop. Other people have done this. Or, or in your case, you go, my team can do this. and I don't need to do this right now. That's got to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, there's a lot of a lot of times where you're – handing off fun stuff <laughs> i mean honestly like um i i really love coding and i i actually still do a fair a fair bit of it um even as td but um you know there are a lot of things that i i would i have to pass off to other people and it it's good and bad i mean you know you transition from being excited about uh doing some cool system to now i'm excited about getting someone else excited about, you know, doing something cool. Right. Um, and that, you know, that feels good too, honestly. Um, yeah. So, it, uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm probably still working on that <laughs> transition. Right. It's, it's also in the back of my mind. Have you guys heard of the Peter problem? I think no, that's what, what it's that? called. Explain that. Yeah. It, it's, it's like, um, basically the, the notion that people keep, getting promoted until they're no longer good at the job. So out oh, to their un- yeah, till they fail or whatever, till they underqualified or whatever. Yeah, so hey, you're a really good programmer. You must be we should promote you so that you no longer do the thing you're good at. Yeah. And mm-hmm. <laughs> transition to this other well, thing. Well, that's true because doing coordinating and actually managing people is totally different, especially it's that can be a big change for a lot of typical programmers. Like I know like we are I, hey. I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I would say that us and the show and other, and I'm just saying are a little bit different because we're day walkers in a way. <laughs> like, but I've known a lot of people that get into programming. And they just like to do that and they want to do that. And they're, re- they're better programmers than I will ever be, but they hate talking to people and they hate managing. And so some of those people, it can be a hard transition to some people that get that put upon them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I try to carve out time for myself still to do some of the fun prototyping stuff and some of the the interesting problems I want to work on um but I I think part of part of that is um well one interesting thing I I've come to find is that when when you program for 8 hours a day and then go home in your spare time sometimes it's hard to program that's right. true like yeah. so yeah. if if instead you're not programming during your day and you're you're helping other people program then at home when you go home or or over a weekend you actually might have more bandwidth to do some of those things so i found sense. myself actually uh, kind of exploding in in terms of uh after hours programming and jeez and another physics engine stuff. No, no. no, this one's really perfect. <laughs> this yeah. one's really, really perfect. That's See, quantum better. computing will, hurt, will have it all. Yeah. <laughs> cool. You, well, you, you talked about like your relationship, or, or you know, wanting to make people better programmers or better engineers. Um, and I was wondering what the dynamic is between a TD or a Studio TD or STD versus <laughs> the the core team or the company's core team and other game developers. You know, what kind of dynamic do you have with game developers versus just a studio wide presence? Like, what's that dynamic like? 
well, do you like do you like you, speak I, to people every day or? I mean, honestly, you guys, or you would know better than I would. Tell us, Obina. Maybe, yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't want to take over his interviews. So. He's running it around sucks. all the time. <laughs> he runs me around. He's gonna flip this on you a second. Like you judge me, Obina. Let's let's see yeah. how I do. Exactly. Who's interviewing who now? Yeah. No, I. This is for your job. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. I. I um, probably have, you know, I have less one-on-one time with individual people, right? So when I was um, a lead I had, and I had, you know, five reports, I could spend a lot more time with those people and I could, um, I could even um, maybe lead programming practices more by example and like, because uh, I was, you know, committing a lot more code and and um you know committing huge amounts of code for for years with with a small team lets you really impart a lot of very specific um and actionable like things from them to learn from um and you know that's kind of it's certainly shifted now right like now i have to have other people do it so um you know one of the big challenges is is trying to still keep on um, the leads of the projects, uh, the engineering leads, to um, really be vigilant about their code base, to care about it, um, to care about how people treat it, um, to care about um, you know even the the just nitty gritty stuff, the the tiny things, the the broken windows, you know, um, yeah, and so I. I I have much less time for individual people, but I, I, I try to still keep, I guess, the main culture of the, the studio uh, and the engineering culture going through vicariously through other people. Nice. So, that sounds like the mission statement. <laughs> it's like keeping the culture of the engineering team together. Yeah, yeah. it's not trivial. Right. <laughs> what are you uh, saying, Ryan? Oh, I was just going to ask, is that one of the toughest bits for you? Or what would you say was maybe the toughest thing for you as technical director? The toughest thing. Um, toughest thing is, is um, honestly, trying to, trying to be on the ball between um, a lot of different uh, directions. So... I may I may walk into a meeting that's about um, you know hey what's our let's define our strategy for load testing for the next six months and like what hires we need and who's going to do these things and then the next meeting I walk into is like hey we need a very specific uh, we need some very specific help on you know how do we how are we going to use mechanism in this specific instance and what's the interface going to look like for uh, an animation system or something like that, where, where it's like very hands-on, very, uh, very, you know, much smaller scope, very zoomed in and, right. and really just being able to bounce between those two things without losing your mind. Right. Um, <laughs> so it definitely sounds like some of that, what you were saying earlier, that zoom in and zoom out is definitely your context yeah. switching and your scoping is definitely switching a lot. And it's, sounds like it's very tough to keep track of. <laughs> Yeah, and and to keep everyone happy. Um, yeah. I mean, the reality is you just can't, right? So, like any, so <laughs> you guys are engineers, you know this, but engineers are are a very uh, opinionated yeah. bunch. <laughs> so you know, if if I say, hey, let's use Perforce, uh, half the engineers are like, oh my gosh, I hate Perforce. Nah, blah, get blah. Nah. Yeah, right. And the other half are like, okay, whatever. Or woo, it, it, you know that's a a dumb example, but it, that's with anything, absolutely anything. Right. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. There, there's always differing opinions, and and you can never keep people happy. And then, I mean, that's only within engineering. Um, but then you have, you know, other people that you need to make happy that aren't well, engineers. That, yeah, because you have like you know, art, general management, just like studio wide things you've got to make happy too. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, for artists to be able to check in assets, they also have 
have to have a voice in what version control we use or how we do builds or, you know, all those different things. And we've got to, you know, as much as I'd like to just have uh, everybody use git command line, like it just doesn't work for, for everybody. <laughs> right we've, got, we've, we've also got people <laughs> that, that just think differently than engineers and, uh, you know, think visually or, or reason differently or I don't know. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. We were actually going to talk about this as well, just like the pressure that's put on technical directors or studio directors uh, to manage all of this and, and keep everyone happy and somehow maintain some sanity within themselves. So let, I just want to actually jump into some of that a little bit more, a little bit more deeply on some of the pressures you like experience on a day-to-day basis from other engineers or from even like other leads or even like, I guess, executive level, uh, you know, Personnel. Sure. Like well, I got that... this programmer called Obina. Obina. Who's the jerk? Let's call him that. Okay. <laughs> that's his, that'll be his code name. <laughs> yeah, be his code name. <laughs> anyway, Nobody'll the... believe that's a real name. <laughs> well, they, thanks for shitting on my culture, there, buddy. <laughs> that's oh, easy. Uh... Anyway, is there, is there something off the top of your head that like kind of just resonated with you when I was we were talking about like just the pressure of being TD? Um. Yeah. I mean. Uh, so if, if you have multiple projects, um, and you have multiple engineering leads, say, say you have, uh, two server leads on two different projects working on two different games and, uh, and you also have, um, executives or <laughs> higher ups, let's, I call everyone above me executives, regardless if, the, if they are or not, um, <laughs> it's, it's easier, um, so they they all have different things they want to do right so one even even for something stupid simple like say we want to figure out uh one server lead wants to uh use one type of logging the other server engineer wants to use another and uh, uh some executive might look at the schedules and say hey why are we allocating uh two amounts of times for the same task logging you know, because we've got this project, they're spending two weeks on logging. This project, they're spending two weeks on logging. Why can't we just do it once and everybody use it and be happy? And, well, <laughs> it's not that simple, right? Because you have uh, one group of engineers that are familiar with, with a certain set of tools and, and have good reasons for using that. And then you have, uh, you know, a second group of engineers with also probably good reasons for using that. Um, you know, there's not necessarily one great answer for everything. So, um, you know, you've got to be able to kind of take those pressures and then create some sort of meaningful output with them. You know, is it actually worth it? Do I think it's actually worth it for these two projects to do what they want with logging? Or should I tell the leads, hey, no, we've got to come together and do something together so we can shorten the timeline. Um, So there's some fights you should push and there's some fights you shouldn't. Um, and it, you know, it gets, it gets even hairier once you bring other disciplines into it. Um, you know, artists and designers, they, they have these visions in their heads about crazy, absolutely nuts things <laughs> that can't possibly be grounded in reality, but <laughs> right. But, but you have to take that and do something meaningful with it and figure out exactly what that meaningful thing is. Um, I mean, I've, I've had artists uh, or an art lead come to me before and, and, and be like, so we need to render like, I don't know, 10 to 50,000 skin meshes on screen at once. Wait, <laughs> Just like, uh, yeah. Um, we ended up pulling off about 7,000 and we were pretty happy with that. But um, it, it's just like, you know, we've, they have crazy things they want to do and and the stuff they come up with is is awesome because um you know they're 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 not really restricted in their thinking like an engineer might be right um because they have no idea well some of them you know i'm i'm not saying they're clueless but they don't really know a lot of the things that make what they're thinking impossible Right. Um, it's like a little it, kid and it, they It's kind of just... yeah, it's oh, kind of cool. Nice. Like artists are like, like little part kids. of the <laughs> well Sorry, part of part of working with these people is like encouraging them to think that way right 
because um, a lot of the times they will try to engineer it themselves or like figure it figure out a way of doing it themselves and, and so they'll come to a meeting with some solution they already have and they'll limit themselves because they're not as good at engineering as we are and we aren't as good at maybe whatever vision they have in their head uh, so you know we've got to come at this thing with I think we have to come at this thing with two different uh, mindsets and two different types of pressure one from an art perspective that wants to go nuts and one from an engineering perspective that's got to actually implement it um and that that's actually what creates the best stuff i think what's funny do you find yourself i'm just speaking from experience in my position do do you find yourself that you end up defending both sides of that argument a lot of the times like from like upper management <laughs> to lower like where people are like these people don't understand i was like yeah but that's our job to make them understand and then up from upper to lower you're like you're defending your team and what they can do we're like well they have to do the logging in four weeks <laughs> like you end up doing both you start going nuts because you're you're defending both sides because both sides don't think the others know what's going on uh sometimes i i would like to think i side with the uh, whoever has the more outlandish idea yeah that's true so that's i would <laughs> i would rather go crazy and fail and have to like you know pull it back than you know start with something a little more timid and push it forward if that makes sense right, right. that's a good yeah. point you made though with the artist figuring out their solution because i think that's like that's a thing particularly game development from executives down to, to programmers to artists Everybody works and stuff as a team. If you work on it tough as a smaller team or a big team, but they've also worked on stuff themselves a little bit, you know, like mm -hmm. every artist has done a little bit of scripting. Every programmer has done a little bit of art. So everybody's just like, I can just figure this on myself and I'll just bring this to them. And they're like, no, 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 no. Hold on. <laughs> We're on a team now. Just hold on. We need to sit down and hash this out together. That is funny. That's particular yeah. to game development. Yeah. All right. So, so you mentioned like, uh, even going back to the logging and, you know, having two separate teams, I was curious, like how how fluid is you know these technical decisions that you're making? Is it like one day or one month? You're like, okay, we should do it these two logging ways, and then a couple months later, you're like, oh, maybe that was the wrong decision, and now <laughs> it's time to change. Like, are decisions like that, like core decisions, like very studio wide decisions made like that that ha often have to have to be like you know reeled back in, or you know, I guess. I don't know. Just like, is is there a lot of back and forth that sometimes you have within yourself, just being as a techno director, you know, for I guess a, a budding studio. Um, I mean, I I've never made a wrong decision, so I don't really know how to answer that. <laughs> I love this no, dynamic of this just... employer and all this stuff because every question you ask, I'm like, what is that a question in my real life? Or is exactly. That a Are you talking about what I say? Uh, that's Why too did you funny. do this? Yeah. <laughs> no, but let me give you a specific example. <laughs> anyway, um, it, uh, yeah, I mean, stuff changes a lot uh, all the time. We we make a lot of grand plans that we execute on, and we make a lot of crazy plans that we don't execute on, and we have to take shortcuts for. Um, I I think a lot of um a lot of being a good engineer and maybe a good manager is setting expectations correctly. Um, I think that that helps buy the appropriate amount of time to right. be able to actually get stuff done. So, you know, if, if you keep your progress pretty close to the chest and, and don't, don't communicate that upward. Um, I, <laughs> I think that people are generally too optimistic about what will, what should, be done so you know if you haven't shown the game to your superior in in three months they're going to be like oh it's done right now right, right. um when in reality like no <laughs> right. so you know you've got to set expectations very early and align on those um and, and just really think about ag agreeing on maybe the contract between you and you know whoever is whoever you're delivering to um and, and those things change frequently you know we um you know maybe we hire somebody new that fits in a particular spot and they have some new knowledge about the situation well that changes the plan or what if somebody quits um that's that 
might even uh, be a, a bigger deal, you know, because now we don't have a resource that, and we don't have that expert that we thought we had on whatever that solution is. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it changes all the time. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's actually a follow-up question I was just going to ask you, which I think you just answered in, 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 in its entirety. But the question is, like, like how do people, uh, I guess executives more specifically, like, how do they quantify or measure a good technical director, studio director from a bad one, you know, like how, like, what is it? What, what actions yeah. do they take that says, okay, this guy is really good or this guy is not really good guy. or girl, uh, sorry. Well, they generally want measurable things. Um, so, um, so if I, if I say, Hey, we're going to spend a month refactoring this thing and, if we did a good job, you won't notice, <laughs> you know, cause that, that happens a lot. Classic, um, yeah. well, sorry. What'd you say? Oh, I said just classic sort of scenario. Yeah. If it's good. Yeah, you right? won't even notice. Yeah. Uh, yes. That, that happens a lot. Um, and that, that kind of spends a little bit of your, uh, I don't know, your capital. Um, and then you have to earn some capital back by, uh, actually delivering some measurable gains. So, you know, hey, uh, this sprint, we didn't do anything that you'll notice, but next sprint, uh, we'll be able to handle, you know, uh, way more CCU, way higher CCU or something like that. Or, uh, you know, nothing's happening this sprint, but uh, next sprint, the frame rate, uh, we're aiming for these numbers on these devices, and we've never hit that before. Um, I I do think that, um, probably one thing that really uh, helps get people above you to like you is by trying things that haven't really been done on mobile or on your platform. <laughs> We're a, uh, crap, I just said that, didn't I? We're yeah. a, a mobile that's, studio. That's fine. That's, that's, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Whew. <laughs> oh. That's too funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I literally just vomited. No. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, you know, trying things that haven't been done on the platform, uh, or demonstrating things that maybe people didn't think were was possible. Um, maybe de demonstrating a quality bar that that's exceeds um, you know the games on the market, or uh, you know pulling something off that that you know they didn't really think was possible. Obviously, that stuff really helps, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm I'm actually, you know, at Sprockets, we've done that a number of times, and it's 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 been really good for the the uh, engineering image, um, you know, upward and outward. Here, here. Woo! <laughs> so anyway, uh, so we were talking just like, um, I guess we've been talking a lot about just what goes into being a technical director, uh, in your opinion. Uh, my question, I guess, and I guess what our listeners may be wondering is like, how do you get to this position? How do you get to where you are right now? Uh, can you walk us through, I guess, your career advancement and how that happened and sure. maybe things you focused on to get to where you are? I mean... First, you should probably evaluate if you actually want to do that. <laughs> you know, kind of like how we talked before. If, if you don't want to go to meetings and manage people, and you want to program, then you know, don't don't do this. Um, but uh, as far as how uh, my career is advanced, I, I I guess there are two things that I'd say. One, so I've I've left. I've only worked at, let me see, four studios and all for, you know, a, a good length of time, maybe three year, three or four years a piece. And um, I, I think at the first studio I left, I probably left a little bit early. I left before communicating uh, problems. And I, I think they probably would have fixed some of those problems. And... Uh, you know that I might have might have been able to move up the ladder a little bit earlier, um, and then uh, the next studio I went to, I I realized I had quit too soon, and so I quit too late, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it was kind of the same thing. Like I I got held back 
uh, probably longer than I needed to. Um, and uh, so, I, I, you know, I don't know exactly what criteria to use, but um, I, I would say one thing is is always communicate um, communicate to people uh, where you want to go and why you think, you know, when you when you think you're ready, why you think you're ready to move there. Um, and if if that doesn't line up with their expectations, then I, uh, you know, I would consider something else, um, some other option. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it's obviously this is, a, this is a big value proposition, right? I mean, it depends how valuable a promotion is versus, you know, the how much you like your job and how much you like what you're doing. Uh, do you want to spend the extra time? Do you want to have the extra stress? Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess at, at Sprockets, the way I moved up was um, probably by by doing doing most of the job before it was mine. <laughs> mm. um, and I, I think that's probably the way to do it. Um, you know, I'm not saying push people out of the way and, and make a mad dash for cut some throats. I guess. Yeah. Cut some throats. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, but I, I, I would say, you know, to, to actually demonstrate to someone that you deserve, uh, to, to move into a position, you should demonstrate that you're already doing it. I mean, that's the, that's the best way to, to prove that to somebody. That's completely hey, here, true. People like people complain all the time about not actually like, well, what should I get? It's like, but you're not going to get it until you actually show that you do like 150 percent, like a little bit extra, and you're like, oh, I could actually do that too. Yeah. What you know? Yeah. Some people forget this is it's like a it's a merit based system. It's not right. a time thing. It's like, oh, I've been here for two years. Why aren't they? It's like, well, because you're not doing anything. But you're doing your job and going home. But if you want it, I mean, if you want to stay right. there, that's fine. But if you want to move up, you need to show exactly. extra. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I'm not gonna lie I think part of where I am is luck too or <laughs> chance maybe not luck yeah everything that's true for that. everyone <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> being being in the right place at the right time definitely well helps. hey but I mean part of that is also making your own luck like you again going back to the motivation and trying and being involved it's like yeah there's some part it's timing but you know a lot of luck well, it's is perspiration timing. means and, opportunity yeah, perspir- right? yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah exactly. never never discount that yeah. Cool. Uh, actually, I did have another question, and I think it's actually a pretty cool, I guess, <laughs> pretty cool topic in that uh, our listeners don't really know this right now, but uh, you're pretty, I would say, a pretty young technical director, studio director, uh, as far as age goes. I'm also curious, like, how that plays into some of the pressures you may feel from either superiors who may be much older than you or even, <laughs> you know... What's not? What's inferiors? Inferiors. <laughs> Underlings. Uh, reports. <laughs> engineers yeah, reports or something. You. Or people on your team that may be older, older than you as well, and may have you know more industry, quote unquote, industry experience. Like how, how does that play into your day to day? Uh, yeah. I mean. I turn 14 next <laughs> next month. So. No. You forgot to not really sign a waiver. <laughs> I turn 14. 14. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Um, I don't. I, I guess I I don't let people look down on me because I'm young. Hmm. You know, like I I think that people need to have real reasons for things. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, if, if, if you have logic and you have reasoning on your side for, for decision-making, um, it's, it's pretty hard to deny those things. Right. Right. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, it it definitely happens. Like <laughs> it's happened it, to me. But is usually, it, those, uh, usually those people that are older than you that say that oh, I should be in the job. But you can literally easily unload a salvo of like ideas and stuff that you're on into, like the stuff that you're dealing with. And I'm gonna go, oh, never mind. 
I don't want to do Potentially, that. Potentially. You know, yeah, sometimes. Or just show, show <laughs> yeah, Everybody likes to have an idea, but nobody likes to plan that out and follow that out and take responsibility for it. That's the thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I think a lot of engineers um, that may be older than me are fine with that. I, I think a lot of them want to be doing what they're doing. That, yeah, that's a, it goes in the different types, yeah. Because eventually I think engineers hit a, a point where it's like, hey, you, you either need to start managing or you need to um, just continue being you know, a, a, an individual contributor, but you've got to make a choice at some point. And uh, some people choose and then backtrack <laughs> and then choose right. the other one, which is which is fine too. I I, I don't know. I I think that um, it doesn't suit everybody, and it shouldn't. So I don't know. Right. Cool. I guess I I didn't answer your question at all. No, you but... did. You did. I think you did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it also it also helps because I. Like I, I'm married and I, I have kids and, you know, even, even, uh, people older than me, um, I'm kind of in probably the same life stage as people older, older than me. So maybe that helps out. Interesting. So is the, I guess my question was a little bit tailored more or try, I guess wanted it to be tailored a little bit more towards like people that may not know where you are, you know, like people inside our studio know you know ben jordan and they know like sure you know everything that's gone into making you who you are and how how it just makes sense to for you to be studio director if not more so like people that you may meet outside or people that you may be recruiting people may be talking to and, and trying to hire does that have you ever seen something like that manifest in those people or is it not really seen uh you know sadly it's probably the opposite i oh, okay. i th- i think the tech industry you know suffers from a lot of diversity issues and age is one of them um i th- i think like if you if you look at uh you know the the vast majority of startups coming out of out of san francisco and out of i don't know wherever else startups come from um i'm unaware of any other place no i'm kidding um you'll see that that they're actually pretty young engineer engineering leadership right um it's it's actually probably um in 10 years you could probably ask me the same question it would be uh i would have a stronger reaction to it because it uh, you know i think that i would actually be um i don't know looked down on for the opposite reason hey that Uh, guy's that guy's getting old right what's he doing that's true which actually is another good point is like how does that um like kind of being all the pressure is almost on you or pretty much on you to be the innovator of ideas you know the the person that's always on top of technology does that have a lot of pressure or do you have a lot of pressure to like always be looking and always be reading and always be or is that just something that's innate in you anyway so it's it's really no pressure uh it's handy that i enjoy that stuff anyway so i i mean i you know like i said i do a lot in my free time just exploring other technologies and trying out crazy stuff and um so i I, you know i'm always on the lookout for whatever else there is um so i i don't feel a ton of pressure to do that i feel motivation to do it right maybe a, a better word gotcha cool uh, so yeah, so you talked about just in the earlier in the episode, you were talking about how you kind of, I guess the TD's role is almost, you know, you have this hand where you have to kind of massage the different teams <laughs> and the different disciplines, uh, you know, while you're making these decisions. Uh, but could you just go into a little bit more detail about what, like in its entirety, what goes into being a TD, what kind of skill set you need to have or mentality or what f- actual tool tools you may use on your day to day? Sure. Um, <laughs> silence. <laughs> sure. Complete silence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, there's, <laughs> I don't have a magical toolbox um, of things where I've solved the problem of, you know, how to be a, a good TD. But um, I, I think that communication is probably a really big issue. Um, being able to talk 
with people that aren't engineers and to be able to talk to engineers. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's not easy <laughs> all the time to, to communicate fluidly with people that just think differently. Um, that, that reason differently, that have different approaches to, you know, working through problems, um, that use a different tool set day to day, um, all those different things. Um, and to be able to probably take, take their perspective into account. So, you know, there's, there's some of the obvious stuff like, you know, Hey, when I'm, when we're building a pipeline for assets, some sort of asset, like we need to think like the tool user. We need to think like the the artist or content creator that's using this tool, and and you know then we'll be able to make it a smooth experience. Yeah, there's stuff like that, but then there's um, there's a lot of uh, a business business decisions that uh, you've got to think in terms of those as well. So you know a lot of times um, if uh, some sort of decision is handed down from on high and you're you're like a, a individual contributor on a game team you think what what the crap is happening why did they do this stupid thing mm-hmm. uh, and you know the the further up you go I I think the more you learn well maybe it's not so crazy there there are actually some big reasons here and and I'm not sure what I would have done in that same circumstance and right and so you know definitely trying to to take other perspectives into account is is very helpful um and being able to communicate uh to people with those different perspectives um another thing i you know we kind of touched on before is is knowing when to answer things yourself answer questions yourself and field things yourself and when to defer to someone else right um i mean one of my biggest jobs as a TD is filling out the engineering leadership at, at our studio. And I mean, my general approach is just finding people better than me at everything I'm good at and putting them there instead. (laughs) So, you know, finding someone that, that knows, uh, you know, graphics better and can lead our team better than I was doing and, and put them in that spot. So I'm not, I'm not the bottleneck anymore. Finding someone that can, uh, that knows, you know, stateless uh, HTTP REST uh, architecture better than I do, and okay, put that person there, um, you know, and and I think, um, you know, I think you have to be super humble. <laughs> Feels stupid to say that, but I, <laughs> I think you have to just realize when you, you just can't know everything, and you can't be the best at all these different uh, disparate. Uh, you know, parts of making a game or making uh, a product and re- finding people that are better than you and that can, can do those things better than you. Wow. Very well yeah. said. I got emotional. Oh, I have one more. I oh, have okay. one more. <laughs> uh, I, so I wrote, I wrote this one down in advance. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I very frequently uh, am wrong. And I think uh, something that, I've found to be essential in actually building a good relationship with people and, and building a good structure is admitting when you're wrong and just, just apologizing. Like when you're a jerk, just like go say sorry, or just like clear the air. Don't let that crap sit around. That's kind of like a general life thing. Right. But uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just find that really helpful. (laughs) Nice. Yes. That's really good. Very good, very good uh, pieces, I guess, to the quote-unquote toolbox, um, which actually kind of segues to our final question, unless the other guys have another question, uh, which is, you know, if you had any lasting or important parting advice you would want to leave our listeners with, um, or just a story or anecdote that you've experienced as being a TD um, that you would like to share with us? Uh... <laughs> Again, it better be good. <laughs> yeah, right. It's better be good. It's all riding on this. <laughs> I would say a fool and his money are soon parted. No, I'm... <laughs> Benjamin Franklin or something. Um, I I think I think I would say that um, people probably shouldn't 
shouldn't work toward moving up the ladder. <laughs> and um, it's just not fulfilling, probably. There, There's always another rung. And, um, I, so in my, in my free time, I don't, I don't focus on, you know, Hey, what's going to get me to that next step? What's going to get me up there again? Um, I focus on, uh, I don't know, stuff that I enjoy. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people tend to specialize to move up the ladder and I guess I would, I would recommend the opposite instead of specializing, go broad, you know, read, read everything you can. Um, you know, at, at, I have a rule that in my spare time, I'm not allowed to use any technology that I use during work, <laughs> hmm. which, which means that I have to learn new stuff to do anything. Right. Uh, and it's a lot of fun because, you know, then, then you learn, Hey, now I know some weird approach that uh, is pretty standard in small talk and no one cares and I'm never going to use it. But uh, it turns out it's useful in C Sharp when I'm doing this other thing. Hmm. Um, and there, there are just tons of examples of, of stuff like that. Um, and uh, <laughs> a good example, you know, we keep talking about physics. Um, there's this other physics engine I wrote that is a... Uh, Third one. Is there a third or fifth? I'm starting to think your math math teachers in high schools were worth shit. (laughs) Because you said you struggled in high school. No way. You've written three physics engines since then. No, no, no. None of of them are useful. That's kind of my point here. So this last one. This last one. This last one that I wrote is not. It's not a classical physics engine. It's a relativistic physics engine. And so all of the objects in this thing are like a thousand kilometers across and moving at like 75% the speed of light (laughs) because that's when all these relativistic effects come in. So uh, it's a completely useless physics engine because no one, what are you going to do with that? Like, right. uh, Light speed asteroids or something. Um, but it, but it's so cool because you can see all the shapes, uh, all the the different shapes shifting as they, you know, they uh, they uh, change shape along the axis that they're moving, depending on how fast they're moving. Uh, and then you can also change like the observer while you're while the simulation is going on, which changes how uh, changes the position of all these of all the other bodies. I don't know. It's just stupid stuff like that. Where it, it has absolutely no application. Um, I wrote it in. I don't know if you guys remember Hacks. Do you, no. Did you ever use that? It was. It's just some. Oh, that's stupid... like the weird thing that compile. It's like ActionScript, but it compiles to a bunch of different things. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. Um, it, yeah. See, nobody knows it because why would you? Because it's stupid. <laughs> but that was that was why I learned it and wrote this stupid engine that's useless because. Uh, Learning the language was useless, but it was. But it taught me. It's called you know, action script, though. Action script. It's great. <laughs> it's got no, action no, no. in the name. <laughs> yeah, and then I I did a useless engine in it, and so um and, and that stuff, it helps you. I I think probably a lot more than chasing all these different um, technologies individually, because if you're if you're chasing all the newest technologies, you're just never going to you're just never going to learn them all. Um, so why do it? Why not just do useless fun stuff instead? Yeah. Well, Hey man, um, you're, you're definitely a good company. Cause when you were saying that, I was just looking up, I remember the MIT game lab made something similar where they have a game on the slower speed of light. As you pick up objects, like the relativistic effects kick in, like the speed of light slows down and it sort of changes the environment. So you're definitely a good company yeah, with that's, that line of thought. <laughs> well, that's a way better game. Just to be clear, <laughs> <laughs> and it was written in probably a real language that people use. See, that's stupid. They should have used yeah, something dumb like hacks. <laughs> yeah, they should have learned Go and did it in Go or something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> take that, Google. I, <laughs> I, I do have one more piece of advice. Okay. Yeah. I I think that uh, the art of refactoring is not well understood 
and uh, I think uh, people should study how to refactor code um, because most of the time you're refactoring and you're not writing new code. So there's a book called Refactoring. Crazy, huh? Mm. And it's awesome, and everyone What's should read about? it. It's about uh, a man who falls in love. No, it's a it's about refactoring. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's really good. It's by Martin Fowler. Um, yeah, and and just like reading through that book, reading through other like classic computer science texts, um, like uh, uh, what's the one about Unix programming? It's awesome. Um, there's the Gang of Four like um, design pattern book. There's the Dragon Book on compilers. Uh, all these books are you know from all these different weird points of view, and you're never going to use any of the stuff in them, but uh, they will somehow uh they will they'll be useful for other things somehow <laughs> i don't know it's just weird how that stuff pops up gotcha. hey expand your knowledge base different cultures of you know ideas integrate them yeah man it's like traveling the world but yeah absolutely in, in all right reading rainbow guys <laughs> <laughs> uh, the more you know the more you know all right. Well, knowing is half the battle. <laughs> exactly. Oh, what is that? Uh, there we go. The other half. What is, is that? Have you seen that? Sir? No, the other half uh... is blue, the other half is blue and red lasers. <laughs> oh Jesus! I guess right. I didn't G. realize G. Obina hated gunster. reading Rainbow. No, I, I loved you it because he was G. black. G. 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 No, no I like both you hate of freedom. Them. <laughs> you commie fuck. Anyway, 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 anyway. Let's let's wow. wrap this up. I know, right? Sorry, All right. There's so anyway, Ben, thanks again for joining us and taking time out of your salvages. Very right. busy, busy. Oh Lord, these people. <laughs> anyway, thanks for taking time out of your busy day, Ben, uh, and joining us on the show and, and lending your advice, your your many years of experience in engineering, uh, your thoughts on being a TD, et cetera, et cetera. We really appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners are going to enjoy this one. So thank you. Thank you. Yes. yes. I'm, I'm a pretty big deal. So with four physics engines under my belt. Uh, anyway. All right. Thanks Ben. And we will catch you later. I'll catch you right. tomorrow. <laughs> Bye. We're back, man. Uh, I thought that was an amazing interview. Uh, I'm not saying that just because he's my boss, but I thought it was really good. He, Again, he I love the dynamic of this episode because every <laughs> I said it once, but every question I'm like, this is really weird that you're like interviewing your sort of boss, and then you're like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> why don't you make that decision? I, oh, exactly. really? <laughs> I was really just airing my grievances the whole time. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> too funny. Anyway, uh, let's not. I know this episode kind of ran a little bit long already, so I will talk about our debug lounge uh, which is our facebook group so if you want to get in on some of this action that we always talk about about the you know wine pairings with doritos yeah um, i love that one yeah uh, you know talks about unite i think you know there's a lot of interesting conversations going on it's over 700 loungers in there which is kind of freaking crazy and they're all active and they're all participating so anyway join that you can go to facebook search for the debug lounge and we will uh, and just request an invite, and we will invite you or accept you into our fold. Anyway, talk about some Patreon action, Kilgore. Yes, uh, please visit us on uh, patreon.com slash the debug log. Yeah, I got it, don't worry. Um, it's not exact the other week where he f- fucking flubbed the whole thing, so send them right. completely somewhere else on Facebook. I don't know where. Um, but yes, uh, we got many different Slash the debug. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where that went, but um, but yeah, check us out on Patreon. We have many different levels of uh, contribution that really helps us out. Um, you know, that'll get you certain things like access to episodes early, and we may be even talking about like, you know, maybe in the future certain things we're doing where you know it's more exclusive to Patreon members and not just you know early, but you only get to hear it. So anyway, go check it out. Help us out. We love it. It keeps us doing what we're doing. So.
And we will have our first in July. We have our first Google Hangout because we have a right, Patreon yeah. at that level now. So if you want to join him, that if he's just going to be a one-on-five situation, that's cool. That's hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But if you don't, if you want to join in on that, because again, it just it's pretty low numbers right now. So get on that. Go to patreon.com slash the debug log. And also, I want to say this before we head out for tonight. We just talked. This is hot off the press. This is hot off the news. The debug log. We just talked about this today. I think we're going to get to unite again for the fourth time in a row, which is unprecedented. I think. Unprecedented. Um. So we're. I, I, I want to talk, start talking about this now, three months out, because even though we talked about it last year, we still got like at least two or three comments last year going, hey, guys, I wish I had met up with you. We have an iTunes review that says, I wish I had met up with you at Unite. I was like, what? <laughs> we talked about this forever, right. and nobody said anything. So please start emailing us. Start messing just in the debug lounge, like we said. And let's, let's plan a proper meetup this year. We're three months away now. We have plenty of time to do no this. No excuses. It's October 3rd through 5th. I think we'll be there maybe October 2nd through the 5th. We might leave that night. But one of those nights, maybe not the party night, which is the 4th. So maybe the 2nd or the 3rd of October, we need to plan some kind of fun uh, official debug log meetup at some place. There's plenty of bars in Austin. Come on, barbecue Word. stuff. Word. Come on. Ah, uh, delicious. Barbecue. All right, cool. Anyway, if you want to contact me personally on Twitter or Instagram, I am at OBeans. That is O with an H, Beans with a Z. I'm at Andrew underscore Curry, and I'm also both of those on Instagram too, actually. There you go. Yeah, and I'm. uh, You didn't spell your last name. Yeah, spell your last name. Oh, C U R I E is the right way. It's the correct way to spell. <laughs> Steph Curry, you don't spell it the right way. C U R I E. He'll spell it any way he fucking wants. With a Y, it's a bastardization. Look it up. If you don't believe me, look it up. It's true. So, never you just mind. call Steph Curry a bastard. No, I didn't call Steph Curry. Okay. <laughs> Come on. Get it together, guys. Uh, he's kidding. Do not demonize him. Um, and. <laughs> And I'm at R.E. Kilgore, K-I-L-L-G-O-R-E, on Twitter and Instagram, I think. So, Kilgore's got the best last name. Kilgore. Yeah, Sweet dogs. All right. Oh, okay. Yep, wrapping it up. <laughs> Time to go. All right. Venus Titan. <laughs> All right. You know he's on the West Coast. Now.